Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. So I move out today in this vein, which I believe God is calling me today. Because a change is coming to the church. Because the stars are falling. And uh, this, this parade that has been going on in the church, these superstars, that have moved in on the glory of God. And God said that he would share his glory with no man. And all these things that we do in church that has nothing to do with church at all, something has to change. When entertainers get up and sing filthy songs and rap filthy lyrics, then get to the end of their show and say, I want to thank God. Christians, supposedly, saying that they love Jesus, never read their Bible, pray little or none at all, go to church when they feel like it. And some, that's all they do is go. They don't help. And then they get to the end of the day and they call themselves Christians. And it has become so confusing to the world because the world don't know the difference between the church and the world. Women standing up singing half-naked coming to church half naked. Men almost have to close their eyes to stay focused in the church. And in some cases, the women have to close theirs too because the men's clothes are so tight. I don't even, I mean, listen, something's wrong when you got to do this as a man to get your stuff on. And if you have to ask if it's too tight, it's too tight. And all this stuff is parading in the church. And we're calling things moves of God, and it's not a move of God at all. Because if you ever experience a move of God in your life, you will change. Nobody has ever had a real encounter with God and left his presence the same. And I'm going to say something now that is not popular. And because we don't say it enough in church today, everything has crept in. We hear very little, most preachers preach very little on the subject of holiness. And so you got these entertainers who are cussing like sailors and get to the end and say, I want to thank God. What God? God, I ask that you help me. When I see what I see going on in the world, I'm saying, God, keep me. God, keep me. God, keep me. Don't let me get this far down the road and destroy it all. God, keep me. I pray that's somebody else's prayer in this room. So I asked the Lord, what are you saying for 2024? 
And I had shared with my wife and a couple of other people maybe a month ago or so. I said, it's time to run. And in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount upon wings like an eagle, that they will run, run and not get weary. They will walk and they would not faint. It's time to run. 2023 is a strange year. And as we move into 2024, I said something to a minister in Georgia. It just came up out of my spirit. And I said, we are living in Matthew 24, and we're getting ready to enter the year 2024. That's your assignment, to read Matthew 24. Sit down when you do. We are actually living today. In Matthew, if you want to know the news, you don't have to listen to CNN or MS or Fox or anything. Just read Matthew 24 and you'll get the current news. Not only the current news, but the future news. Because we're in Matthew 24. And I know that most church folk don't read their Bible because if they did, they would make changes. Because Jesus catching away of the church is right at the door. And everybody's not going. And the preacher is lying. Me too if I'm saying it. Is everybody is not going to heaven. There are qualifications for going to heaven. I'm going to shake your religious foundation because we've been, we've been conditioned to say, just quote Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart on the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. But let me say to some of you, I can get a parakeet and bring a parakeet, a talking parakeet, and say something, and that parakeet can quote Romans 10, 9 and 10. Is the parrot saved? And some people coming to the altar have been no different than a parakeet. Because if you're really saved, your life will reflect it. You can't be saved and not love Jesus. You can't be really saved and can take Jesus every now and then. Jesus is not a waiter. You don't call on him just when you want to put your order in. And you can't tell him that your steak is not cooked the way you like it. Jesus is not a chef. He's God. And he must be reverenced. And the church has lost her reverence for God. And the men and women of God predicate on how many of us have lived. But reverence has to come back to the house of God. We have to reverence. We have to stay in awe of God. Because it's difficult to practice sin when you are still in awe of God. Are you all listening to me? I'm not saying or even insinuating that people have to come to church to be saved. I can't say that. But I don't think you can stay away if you're really on fire for God. Because if you're not coming to the house of God, you're going to something You're going to something. Something has crept in and have taken his place. 
And so here we are approaching 2024, and we are the last church in prophecy. This dispensation, the church culture that we are experiencing today is a reflection of the last church before the coming of the Lord. We are the Laodiceans. We are the Laodicean church. We are the church that is a prosperous church. We are the church that have accomplished more things than our, than our predecessors. But Jesus said that you're prosperous and you're full, but you're empty and you're dead. He called the last church, the Laodiceans, he said, you are the lukewarm church. You're neither hot, come on, talk to me. And you're not cold. And some of you in this room, you're not hot for God, you're not cold, you're just lukewarm. And lukewarm Christians don't read their Bible. They don't pray and they don't put the devil on the run. We are the last church. The Laodiceans fornicated. Because in the church today, there's a lot of fornication going on. Because there's no reverence. And most preachers are too scared to address it. So everything is in here. And everything has gotten in. Because the only thing that can drive it out is the word of God. Ooh, Jesus. Glory to God. And some things you may be doing, you shouldn't be comfortable in the house of God. If the word is right, <laughs> Jesus. And if you don't want to change, it ought to drive you out. The word of God. For this is the house of God. And when we say this is the house of God, we're not talking about this building. We're talking about you. Jesus. Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. Allow me today to go in and out of something. But we've become so comfortable with sin that it parades itself in the house of God and nobody's saying anything. You hear very little even reference anymore about people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Speaking another, because everything, nobody wants to offend anybody. Nobody wants to make anybody uncomfortable and all kinds of things that walked up in the church and sit down comfortably in the pew. And they're not just going to sit there and be still. If you don't address it, it'll spread. Because the enemy comes to kill, to steal, to destroy or to discredit your leader. Are you in Isaiah 54? Go ahead and put up nugget number one. Let me go out this year the way I started. Since I'm the nugget man in 23, I don't know what I'm going to be in 24, but I, mean, I got a few more minutes to be the nugget man. Ready? Read. What's getting ready to happen in your life in 2024 is an inside job. What is getting ready to happen in your life in 2024 is an inside job. Meaning it's something you can't earn. It's something you don't deserve, but God is just going to bless you. God is just going to show you another side of himself in 2024 in your life. Come on, touch three people and say, say he's talking to you. He's, he, he's talking to you. Put, put up nugget number two, please. Nugget number two, please. Ready? Read. If your expectation is predicated on current events, or present circumstances, or past circumstances, you're going to be highly disappointed. 
Because what God is endeavoring to do in your life in 2024 has nothing to do with your past. It has to do with what it wants to do in your life starting right now. Touch three people and say, he's talking to you. He's, he's talking to you. Nugget number three, please. Nugget number three. Ready? Read. The kind of expectation. Ha, right there. Stay with that. Progression. Progression. That's what the Lord gave me for 2024. That 2024 is going to be a year of progression. That means God's going to move you from where you are, hallelujah, to a blessed place. Anybody ready to move? Anybody ready to move? I'm not mad at 2023, but I'm expecting 2024 to be better than 2023. Amen. It's going to be the year of progression. God is going to do the supernatural, the press down. We're not just going to talk about it, but amen, but we're going to experience, amen, the abundance of God, the abundance of grace, the abundance of mercy, the abundance of provision in 2024. Hallelujah. Put nugget number three back up, please. Ready, read. The kind of expectation, progression that I'm talking about goes beyond events and circumstances. In other words, God is saying whatever is going on in the current world is not going to hinder what he wants to do in your life. In other words, God is saying if the stock market is going down, your stock will keep going up. Glory to God. Ooh, Jesus. When they tell you don't buy, it's time to buy. Nugget number four, please. Come on, say it out loud. I'm expecting God to do what he said. Have anybody heard anything from God? Have God said anything about to you about what he wants to do? Have God said that this coming year to you is going to be better than the year you walking out of? And God only responds to your expectation. If you're not expecting nothing, you won't get nothing. But if you're expecting, amen, God's best, then you'll have Mm -hmm. I'm expecting God to do what he, what he said. Nugget number five, please. This is it. This is it. Speak your expectation. Come on, say it again. Come on, tell somebody. Say, speak your expectation. Come on, tell them again. Speak what you're expecting. Not what you're experiencing. Because what I am experiencing is getting ready to change. Why? Because of my expectation. And get away from people who only want to talk about what they're experiencing. I don't want to hear what you're experiencing. I want to know what are you expecting? Yeah. Glory to God. I'm expecting to get married this year. I'm expecting a godly husband. I'm expecting a godly wife. I'm expecting to come out of debt. I'm expecting to buy another house. I'm expecting, I'm expecting, I'm expecting to be healed. Hallelujah. I'm expecting God's best. I'm expecting my marriage to be better. I'm expecting my family to be better. What are you expecting? Shut up, devil. I'm expecting God to move in my life. Nugget number six, please. Oh, here we go. Oh, don't get silent on this. Ready? Read. I'm not weary, and I'm not discouraged, because biblical expectation comes with endurance. 
It's like if you get a glass of water. If you get water, you get wet. You can't tell somebody, give me some water, but keep the wet. Just like you can't say, God, I'm expecting you, and then you don't have the endurance to wait till it come to pass. For the mere fact that I'm expecting God to do something, it gives me the endurance to wait until it manifests. Because God is not a man that he would lie. If God told me something, I don't care how you look at this morning, it's going to come to pass. You all were saying something this morning. Uh, uh, what was it they were saying? What were they saying, Minister Orphy, that, that I have? I have proof or I, I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it with my own eyes. If God can raise me up from living in a house with no running water and no electricity and all my childhood visiting an outhouse and going to school from the kindergarten to the sixth grade with holes in my shoes. I've seen it with my own eyes. When I think of how good God has been to me, he, he's, he's, to go to school and kids make fun of me because I don't have, I don't have anything to eat. And on occasions, when I did, my bologna was green and my bread was hard. And when I stand here today and I see where God has brought me from, I've seen his goodness with my own eyes. And dare I not get here and forget him. Because what God has done in your life, you haven't seen anything yet. Come on, touch three people and tell them, said the best is coming. The best is coming. The, the, the best is coming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've been waiting for it, but it's here now. You won't wait any longer. You won't tarry any longer. Mm -hmm. The best is coming. 2024 is going to be your breakout year. 2024 is going to be your breakout year. You may be the only person breaking out in your neighborhood, but you're going to break out in 2024. God's got a promotion for somebody. There's somebody here this morning. They've been, they've been vacillating about whether I should take this offer or should I reject this offer. And the Lord is telling me to tell you to take it. The Lord said, take it. The offer is from him. The door that's been opened, the Lord said, he opened it for you. Now, by faith, walk through that door. And 2024 is going to be a breakout year for you. Give God praise and give him glory. He's talking to some, somebody in this room. Mm -hmm. What nugget did I stop at? Nugget number six. We'll go to nugget number seven. Ready? Read. What was the last part? 
What was the last part? Tell three people, don't get distracted. I'm ready to preach now. Don't get distracted. All this stuff that you're looking at on your iPhone and iPad. Don't get distracted. All these rumors and accusations. Don't get distracted. Satan's number one weapon is not always to stop you. Preach, boy, preach. But to distract you. Oh, Jesus. All the singles, stand up. Oh, God, look at all the singles. I need to have a singles meeting. To all the singles who are standing, don't marry somebody who will distract you. Marry somebody who is focused on what you're focused on. And if you're focused on God, then you need to marry somebody who's focused on God. Because how can two walk together? Marriage is not popular like it used to be. Because a lot of single folk are fornicating. Well, y'all got quiet. You see, when you have to uh, be married to engage in sexual intimacy, it gives you, uh, what can I say, an incentive to want to do it God's way. But there's so much free, free milk now. Are you all listening to this? And, and shacking up is not God's way. But please sit down, singles, because there's some married folks who could join you. And my heart goes out to the singles because I don't know of anything more profound than to get married to the wrong person and become distracted from the direction that God is wanting you to go. And it can become such a distraction, it can literally pull you out of the things of God. So to the singles, be careful. Are you listening to me? And don't be in a real hurry to get married because it's for a lifetime. Can somebody say amen? amen. Don't get distracted. This, this is, I'm going to backdoor this a little bit. Go to 1 Timothy and then, then, then I will, I'll, I'll wrap it up. Now, I'm not really going to wrap it up, but it sounds good. But go to 1 Timothy. The only place you have to be in a hurry to get things done is in church. And that's the truth. They're never in a hurry at a ball game. They're never in a hurry at a club. They're never in a hurry at a party. Get mad when it's over. The only place where you feel pressured to get to the end is in the church. But the church is the only place that will feed you spiritual food that has to do with your eternal soul. Are you in 1 Peter or 1 Timothy? I'm sorry. Oh, don't get upset now. Come on, be nice at the end of the year. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. 
And this was Paul talking to this young pastor. And I felt led to, to read this because I charge you to stay focused. Look at verse number 12. I know they got 13 up, but look at 12. Can the video department put up verse number 12? Verse number 12. Is it up yet? Oh, that's okay. I can read it. Notice what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. It says, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believer, to the believers in word, in conduct, in love and spirit, in faith, in purity. He's talking to this young pastor. He said, you're young. There's nothing you can do about that, Peter. I mean, Timothy, you're a young man. He says, but, but, let, but, but be an example. You're a young pastor. And you, you, perhaps you have people in your church that are older than you, more experienced than you. He says, but be an example to the believers in word and in conduct. Look at verse 13. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. I, I, want, I want to read the next verse, but let me, let me park on doctrine. Because I shared with you that if this was not this particular Sunday, but next Sunday, I would preach on strange fire, which simply means there is a lot of strange doctrine that's being released in the church. And the reason it's having such an effect is because there's so many in the church who don't know their Bible. And some people been in church for years and don't know scripture. Because they read newspapers and magazines more than they read the word of God. And because so many people don't know the word of God, there's a lot of strange doctrine that's being released. And when I say strange doctrine, when you hear people talking about you shouldn't tithe, that's strange doctrine. And when people start saying that God accepts two men and two women sitting in the church, that's strange doctrine. That God understands homosexuality, that's strange doctrine. And I don't care about the culture because the word of God should be changing the culture, not the culture changing the word of God. And I don't care who get mad. If I have to change from this position, then I'm through being a pastor because I'm going to stay with the doctrine. Homosexuality is an abomination. And it caused one city to be totally destroyed. And God loves the homosexual and he wants you to be delivered. But you don't sit up in church and practice your wares. You don't come in here and mess with our sons and our daughters. And I don't say nothing. The devil is a lie. I'll take this word, which is the staff of God, and I'll run you behind out of here because our sons are safe and our daughters are safe. And my wife is safe around another woman and I'm safe around another man. So the culture is affecting the church to where we are watering down the doctrine. That being filled with the Holy Spirit is not for today. That's strange doctrine. Are you all listening? 
to me today. Did I ask you to go to Isaiah? I didn't finish his first Timothy, but that, that's enough. I, I don't want to lose the crowd. But if it means compromising the doctrine, then I'm going to lose you. Because I'm going to stay with the doctrine. I'm going to stay with what God said. And even if I'm doing wrong, it's still wrong. According to the doctrine. So the doctrine doesn't change. I have to change. If I'm doing something wrong, I can't change the doctrine to accommodate my carnality. The doctrine is not evolving. The doctrine is the doctrine. And some of you don't know what a doctrine is. Later. Isaiah 54. You're going to see this now. Because this is the year of progression. Isaiah 54. Let me work with it now. Isaiah 54, look at verse 2. Isaiah 54, verse 2. This is God talking to the nation of Israel. He says, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. You shall expand. Come on, touch three people and tell them, say, you shall expand. Yeah, come on, tell somebody, you shall expand. In the name of Jesus, I command you. You shall expand. And the word says that you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate city inhabited. Now, this is a confirmation of Isaiah, uh, not Isaiah, but Joshua, chapter 1, in your study time, verse 4. Isaiah, the prophet, is confirming what God said. And at the time that God spoke it, the nation of Israel was occupying about 30,000 square miles. 30,000 square miles. But then God tells them that he's going to expand them to lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, because God's got increase on his mind concerning you as a nation. And when God eventually moved, which was confirmed in Joshua 1 and 4, by the time God got, got finished, they moved from 30,000. How many? They moved from 30,000 square miles to 300,000 square miles. That's how much God expanded them. And if God can expand them under an old covenant, how much can God expand you under a new covenant? Get your eyes off of just owning a house when you can own a complex. It's not any more difficult for God. You believe God for a house? Did he come through? Well, it's not any more difficult for God to come through for you to own a house as it is for God to come through for you to own an apartment complex or a duplex or a fourplex or a neighborhood. Quit driving by all of these things that other people own. Not realizing you can own it too. Could God have mercy? Because God is desiring to expand you. Now we know for God to be able to expand you, he has to first expand your thinking. Anybody want to grow? Let me give you the elementary step to make to grow. 
is find a group that is doing something that you're not doing. And when you join it, you feel out of place. And when they're talking, you don't fully understand. But don't leave. Don't run. Stay uncomfortable. Get, get used to being uncomfortable in an uncomfortable. Use, get used to being comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. Are, are you all listening to me? You see, if you want to grow, you have to find somebody who's already there because you can't get there without a role model. Harvest Church is here because of my role model. My role model was Frederick, Dr. Frederick K.C. Price. And when I saw what God had done in his life in Los Angeles, California, I came back to Kansas City and said, if he can do it in L.A., he can do it in K.C., both cities have two initials, L.A., K.C. Not only that, K.C. is a Super Bowl city. We need prayer about right now, but. They need to get all that Hollywood out of their system and get back to playing ball. Get them cameras out of the stands and get the cameras back on the field. And we can win something up in here. <laughs> Glory to God. Tell him what I said. Haven't been winning since the cameras been in the stands. Dropping the balls, used to catch them. Can't have all that stuff on your mind. You have to have football on your mind. If you really want to see God do big things in your life in 2024, make sure your expector is in good working condition because God always responds to expectation. As poor as I was, I always expected to do better. Because all of the role models around me were doing better. And they were colored people. Here I am living in a shack with no lights, no running water, an outhouse, very little food. But there were blacks all around me living in brand new homes in Fair Vista. Uh, uh, I forget this one area, the hill something. But these were, these were folks that I was looking at because you can't get there without a role model. And little did I know, as poor as I was, God was painting a picture on the canvas of my imagination so that I would get the seed as a little boy that even though I was living in stark poverty, I was seeing a vision every day of people living better than I was living. And I had an expectation that one day I was going to live like they were living or living better. And today, I live just like them. Most of them, I live better because I had an expectation of God to live better. What is your expectation? I was never jealous or envious over what they had. What they had inspired me to want to do it myself. And I didn't want them to give me their house. For me to want them to give me their house meant I was battling with jealousy and envy. When you want what I got, you want my stuff, your heart's not right. But when you say, God, if you can do it for them. And that's what God is saying to you today for 2024. If God can bring a little boy like your pastor 
from nothing and total rejection and raise him up to where I am today and be called and become your pastor. That's a sign to you that God wants to do great and mighty things in your life for 2024. I wish somebody would grab a hold of that by faith. The kind of expectation and progression that I'm talking about goes beyond events and circumstances. What God wants to do in my life in 2024 and in your life has nothing to do with current events. Has nothing to do with circumstances. It only has to do with me believing what God said concerning me and my family and even this ministry. Let's close out with this. Go to Romans chapter 4 and if the video department would put verse 18 in the Amplified, I would greatly appreciate it. Romans chapter 4 Verse number 18, if they would put it up in the Amplified, I, I, would, I would be so appreciative. And would you put your hands together for our video department? A lot of you don't know them, you don't see them. But I can be difficult sometimes to follow. And they do it so graciously without ever complaining. And I don't thank them enough. You see how I'm buttering them up? <laughs> Look at verse number what did I ask for? Romans, Romans chapter 4, verse, verse 18. Let, let's close on this. Ready? Read. Shall your descendants. Wow. Wow, do you realize what you just read? God made Abraham a promise. But in the natural, Abraham had nothing, no evidence. In the natural, Abraham, nothing to hope for or to hold on to. But in spite of his circumstances, in spite of his condition, he still believed God that as an old man, I can imagine when Abraham would tell some of his friends what God says. I'm sure some of them said, Abraham, you still believe in that? After all these years, you still believe that that was God who spoke to you? Come on, man. If that was God who spoke to you at 75 years old, now you're 100 you mean to tell me you still believe that foolishness? You mean to tell me, Abraham, that you heard God, you said you heard God 25 years ago, and you still don't have what God said? And you got the nerve now at 100 to say you still believe God? What evidence do you have, Abraham, that God is going to bring to pass what he said to you 25 years ago? The Holy Ghost is talking to somebody here. Because some people have tried to make you feel like a fool for still believing 10 years later, five years later, six months later, 15 years later, what God told you 15 years ago. And they try to make you feel like you missed God or you didn't hear from God. Girl, honey, child, don't you know if that was God, it would have happened by now? I'm sure Abraham heard the same thing. Brother, I know you hear from God. I know God's hand is on your life, brother Abraham, but, but I think you missed this one because it's been 20-some years, man. Not, not only that, brother Abraham, uh, your stuff don't work. And, and your wife is beyond childbearing age. You mean you still believe that old? Come on, man. That's, that's against science. Women who are at the age of your wife, Abraham, don't have babies. 
<laughs> and men at your age don't want any. <laughs> Are you all listening to me? But you just read Romans 4, verse 18. In spite of the circumstances, Abraham still believed God. And I don't know what it is about God's M.O. As I lived and read after other people who followed God, it, it seems to have this pattern of always, first, he gives you a promise. This just seems the way God, I don't know why he does it. I, I'm saying when I get to heaven, I'll ask him, but just for the fact that I made it, I'd be so excited, I won't have any questions. You know, for God to know all about us and all about us and we still make it, it's going to be a party. But for Abraham to still believe God, to, to, to still want to have relationship with his wife, I don't even know if 100-year-old folks are still doing it. Y'all laughing, but there's some folks 50 and 60 have stopped. Y'all got quiet now. <laughs> but in spite of his age and the age of his wife, he believed God. The Bible says that he staggered not. That means in spite of the culture, in spite of the circumstances, he never allowed himself to doubt what God told him. And because he was willing to endure, because real faith will endure, The Bible says because he did not stagger at the promises of God, it came to pass. And when I look at my life today, I, the things that God has done, the stuff that he brought me out of that he told me not to do, and I did it anyway, but because he's a God of grace and he's a God of mercy, when I repented, he forgave me and set me back on that road of promise. And many of you know my story. I didn't ask for things. The only thing I asked of God in my life, I said, God, at 30-some years old, I said, don't let me die without having experienced somebody really loving me. I just want to know what it feels like to know that somebody loves you so much that they won't leave you because everybody else left. And the only person that I knew loved me at 17 years old, I came home and found my father dead. And from that point until years later, I said, God, don't let me die. I'm making mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. And I don't understand why it seems as though God always wait when he gives you a promise. Anybody got a promise? I don't know why he gives a promise. Then he waits and he waits and he waits until everything that you think can help you die. And he waits and he waits. He tells you, I'm going to give you a child. Then he allows your womb to die. He tells you, I'm going to bless you with a son. And he allows your seed to dry up. And then when it's medically impossible, 
God sends a messenger and says, this time next year, you're going to have a son. And the mother started laughing. And the angel of the Lord said, why does Sarah laugh? Is God a man that he would lie? Does he make a promise and not come through? In nine months, uh, you're going to have a son. And at 100 years old or so, and Sarah, they had a baby, the promise. 25 years later, after God spoke, the promise came. You know the story. And I don't want to take time with that because while they were waiting, God spoke to Abraham, but he didn't speak to his wife. And Sarah got in trouble just like Eve because God spoke to Adam and he didn't speak to Eve. And so Sarah, Sarah said to Abram, maybe it's God's will that we bring this promised seed another way. So go into my handmaiden, Hagar. The only thing I don't understand is that Abraham had a word from God, but he didn't argue with his wife about taking on that, that, uh, uh. I don't read in the Bible where Sarah had to tell him twice. In other words, I don't read in the Bible where Abram need a lot of coaching. So when Sarah brought it up, Brother Abe said, you probably right, girl. I have noticed her cleaning around here. And since I have your approval, maybe this is God's will. And some of you are dealing with Ishmael's today. But here's the good news. Ishmael did not cancel the promise. Some more you should be shouting than that because Ishmael just simply means all the mistakes you made. All of the things you said yes to that you should have said no to. All the people you got with that you shouldn't have been with. But when you came to your senses and you repented, you come to discover that what God promised, it didn't get canceled. And I messed up and I asked God to forgive me and he forgave me. And when he forgave me, he didn't cancel the promise that he had promised me. And because he didn't cancel the promise, Donna Leah, how is my wife today? Because if God made you a promise, no matter how long it takes. If God said it. If God said it. If God said it, put up Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Let's close. I'm a Baptist boy, so we get three closings. This is closing number four. So I'm turning in my Baptist credentials, picking up my Pentecostal credentials, because Pentecostal can take as many closings as they want. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 in the Amplified. Ready? Read. Now unto him who is a, come on, come on. He, he's, not, he's not talking about you. He didn't say you were able. He said he's able. All you can do is mess up stuff, but he's able to clean it up. He's able to straighten it up. He's able to fix it up. 
now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think infinitely, 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 infinitely beyond our greatest, good God of mercy. That means after you get finished praying and say amen, God says, I'm going to do more than that. Beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams. Here we go again. According to, according to, get your eyes off of yourself and get your eyes on God. Twenty twenty four is going to be an unexplainable year because God is on my side. Now unto Him who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think or imagine, according to the power, have nothing to do with your education. Most people with degrees are living from paycheck to paycheck. I don't care if they live in Lakewood. A couple of paychecks lost and they'll lose everything they got. Because our only hope is Jesus. Jesus Christ alone is our sustainer. He's our provider. He's the difference maker with your company. You're not the only one in that business but you're the only one that got God's hand on. Are you listening to me? You're not the only one that sell that product, but you're the only one that God's got his hand on selling that product. You're not the only one doing that, but you're the only one doing that with God's hand on you. That's your difference maker. Why am I selling more donuts than everybody else? Everybody else is making good donuts. My donuts are not necessarily better than their donuts, but my donuts got God's blessing on it. People don't know why they buy my donuts. They drive from all over the Metroplex to get my donuts, and they tell everybody, there ain't no donuts in the city like that man's donut, that woman's donut. And what they can't explain is that, that it's, not in the, it's not in the recipe because you can tell them how to make it. You can give the instructions on how to make it and they still can't sell it like you. Because there's a missing ingredient. And that missing ingredient is having the blessing on you. The blessing of God on you. Ooh, somebody help me today. So I prophesy. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering like Abraham. For he who has promised He is faithful. Would you stand to your feet and say this with me? Can you say delays? Can't distract. Disappointments? Cannot overcome my expectations. Discouragement cannot defeat what God desires and have planned for my life and family for 2024. God made me a promise that I'll bless you in the city. I'll bless you in the field. God made me a promise that whatever I put my hands to, that it would prosper. God made me a promise that I would be the head and not the tail. God made me a promise that I would be the lender and not the borrower. And in 2024, I'm cashing the check. 
<laughs> I'm cashing the check. Say this, the year 24, 2024, my progression will be evident to all who know me. My progression will be a witness and a testimony to the goodness of God. 2024 is my year of progression. And I will progress in every area of my life. And it's all to the glory and the honor of Almighty God. 2024 is my breakout year in Jesus' name. Come on, shout about it and give Him praise. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.